Welcome everyone to LOA Uncorked with Holly and Gina. We're excited you've joined us for a conversation to unleash your inner badassery and uncork your magic. This is the no bullshit, all truth, nothing but fun podcast. And don't worry, we've got you. You are our VIP. Hello, everyone. Welcome to LOA Uncorked. This is Holly. And this is Gina. (laughs) Okay, I'm... (laughs) I'm uh, snuffled up because we're yes, laughing. Yes. We were crying. Yeah, we had yeah. every emotion under the planet. It's been a we big had day. a the most beautiful, wonderful, mm. lovely Dr. Valerie Shepard yeah. in the house. Well, actually on Zoom, but she felt like she was here. That's how big of a presence she is. Oh, Gina, and she talks in the episode a lot about like wholeness. Talk about wholeness. Like this woman embodies wholeness. She's smart. She's articulate. She's, she's an encyclopedia. She's creative. She's funny. She's light. She's she walks deep. the walk. She's oh, she walks. She, she talk talks about, the talk. Walks the walk. Talk about a model for us all about how living authentically and purposefully and you know connected to your greater higher self. This woman does all of that. She does all of that and then some. So yes. she is. An author, speaker, actor, comedian. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's done major acting. She's the CEO of the Hartley Center for Mindfulness and Mm Self-Mastery. She does a four-step happy-to-be-me process. She's also the number one best-selling author of Living Happy to Be Me, Dancing Your Soul Lifestyle. And, you know, she's... You'll never think of dancing the same. No, you won't. And and she's written some ebooks and co-authored um, another best-selling mm-hmm. book. We will have all these in the show notes. And yeah. she gave us a lot of groups that you can connect with her on. Yeah, some offerings for sure. Yeah. Yes. She also has a 501c3 Hearts Awakening mm-hmm. with the mission to bring her work into the underserved population. Mm-hmm. So that's off the ground. Mm-hmm. I think she also is doing a, a group called Living 101, Being yeah. Happy and Whole. I think she's doing that in UC Irvine mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with her doctorate. So it's raise, raising consciousness. Yes. I love that that's part of the curriculum in any college. It should be I in every college. I on and on. I mean, Linda, yeah. listen, like yeah. she could talk about who started laughing yoga. I mean, she's an encyclopedia. I would have mm-hmm. been like, oh, some guy in <laughs> India started... I can't I no, I can't retain any of that. Yeah. And so she and then That's why she's, she's a doctor and, and she, you're not. I mean, let's I just cut right to the chase here. And it's okay. She has a PhD. Listen, I mean, I'm okay. Listen. I'm not judging myself. Exactly. I'm no, okay. No. Um, I will never be a doctor. No. <laughs> okay, probably. We'll never say never, then it'll happen, but uh, it's yeah. unlikely. You think you're a doctor. You actually think you're a shaman. It's a different different, well, I am a shaman, different degree all all together. No, but yeah. I'm really yeah. not, so don't shamans like Throw rotten tomatoes. At yeah, me. I'm yeah, not, yeah. I'm like yeah, my in, in a past lifetime, I was. Yeah, I'm sure you were. Sure, sure. Well, and yes, and she's quoted quotes, and but I will say that mm. her, whatever we say about her, is not going to do it justice. Yeah, and, and I, I hope if you if you're listening to the podcast, if you have the opportunity to to go to the YouTube and check out the video, I, I, it's different when you're. We had the benefit of seeing her. On Zoom. It was not in person, unfortunately. I would love to have had this conversation in person. It would have been even more powerful. But even on Zoom, it was just, I feel like there's that connection of seeing her. And this was an interview where watching her articulate herself and her story was 
a true gift to watch. I think everybody should head over to YouTube and watch it on YouTube. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Because the way she does the interview is probably a model in mm -hmm. how we should carry on our daily mm -hmm. activities. Mm -hmm. And I guess we'll leave it there for you yeah. to, to go and experience. If you don't go on YouTube, please listen in. There's yeah. so many more, there's so many things, to, nuggets to chew on. Yes. And even she if you listen to the interview, yes. it's going to be phenomenal. She was very generous. And, you know, the, the video is, we'll, we'll show you kind of what Holly said in terms of the modeling. Vulnerable, yeah. ge generous, beautiful. And I mean, I love her. I really mm. do want to stalk her, Gina. I know. I know. I'm getting the paperwork ready. Yeah. yeah Don't I'll, get the paperwork. Let me do it. <laughs> that means it I think happen. you'll come with me actually on this one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Okay, everyone. Well, enjoy this episode. Here we go. Gina. I'm excited. We've been waiting for her for a long time. I know. Time. It feels like forever I know, before it today. It was yes. before the time zone changed. Highly anticipated. <laughs> for, yeah, before the time change. Before we got messed up. Yes. <laughs> before we got messed up. I'm so excited today that our audience gets to meet yes. Dr. Valerie Shepard. And let me tell you, Gina. Please. I mean, you probably know, okay, but I know I'm a lot of tell things. you anyway. But I, and you like to tell me all the things I know. <laughs> Usually, this is how this works. Keep and going. I like to sneak in something you don't know. Okay. All right. All right. We've got an author. Yes. A best-selling author. Yeah. Let me put some, yeah. you know. A little esteem to it. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We've got a speaker, mm -hmm. inspirational speaker. Mm -hmm. We've got an actor. Mm -hmm. Which I love that. You know, I love <laughs> yeah, me some actors. Comedian. I love that even more. Okay, listen. She's also a CEO, if that isn't enough. Yeah, like she's mm -hmm. our, it's idol. This is idol territory we're I in. I mean, she's a corporate muckety muck, she was. <laughs> I don't know what a muckety muck is. I don't is, know about my that. My mother used to use that term. I don't think I want to be a muckety muck. <laughs> a muckety muck. Doesn't sound that means good. Executive. Okay, sounds like, like you need a, to wear wearing boots. Something. You need to wear boots muck. in the muckety muck. I don't know. They used to call that way back when. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, and so she also runs a 501c3. Nice. Listen, okay, I'm telling you what. So she's a best-selling author of Living Happy to Be Me, Yeah, Dancing with Your Soul Lifestyle. We'll have to talk about what that means. Great title. And she's also co-authored a, a book, a best-selling book, and has written some e-books. So she mm. is, she's a wonderful writer, love her writing. Yeah. And we welcome her here today. Welcome. Dr. Valerie Shepard. Hi, Valerie. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. Thank We're you, so Molly. thrilled, Thank you. so I'm thrilled to have you. I got to carry you guys everywhere I go, you gals everywhere I go. <laughs> That was a great intro. I'm like, yeah, that's that's me. Who are they that talking is, about? That is I mean, you. Holly does do well with like a megaphone. I, I mean, mean yeah. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. She's a good hype person for you. Yes. It's all true. It is true. Yes, super absolutely. Successful. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, welcome, Valerie. We're super Thank excited you. to have our audience um, be introduced to you and your story and your work and just really look forward to the conversation today. And so what we were hoping would just, and we start our podcast, every podcast with kind of just a little bit about you and kind of the milestones of Dr. Shepard's life and the things that bring you to who you are today that you think would be important for the audience to know. As we kind of dive into our conversation, kind of the core tenets of who you are is kind of what we're looking for. So if you wouldn't mind sharing, that would be fantastic. 
I would love to share and thank you for asking. So my story is probably a compilation of lots of people's stories. So I grew up as the daughter of a Marine, Mm -hmm. so traveled a lot, moved several times. One year, I think I went to three different elementary schools that built in me this idea of resilience and kind of navigating. So getting into wherever I was and learning my way around and like doing the three F's that I call fitting in, finding friends, feeling safe, secure, whole. Like mm-hmm. those are the kind of the continuation all through mm-hmm. our lives is those three F's. Uh, I went to uh, high school and undergrad in Virginia. So I'm from the East Coast and uh, I studied speech communications. I was acting since I was three years old. So that's kind of been a through line of this performance jazz that I really like. I like to be young and Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of morphed through the years. And I started doing improv comedy uh, much later in life and and I'm on leave of absence from an award-winning improv comedy troupe. But I also uh, got a certification in laughter yoga. Uh, Part of the reason because uh, I had a laughter yoga teacher come to a retreat that I was facilitating and he was telling me about all the healing benefits of laughter. And so I love laughing. And so he brought it to me and then I learned how to, uh, to facilitate and then I can take it to others. So I love that. And in throughout that is an MBA at Syracuse University and some corporate marketing jazz and uh, the most recent thing, a PhD in consciousness and human, human potential. So I would say my life has been about understanding who I am at a much higher level than I ever thought possible, actually. And leveraging that to help others get to what I call self-mastery, mastering you in your life so that you can exquisitely manage whatever your life brings your way. And sometimes those are highs and sometimes those are lows. For sure. Wow. I know. It's I well, we I, believe in laughter too. I oh, mean, that's so a big do. thing for us in mm-hmm. our podcast. That hopefully we make people laugh sometimes. Yeah, you know? no, for sure. Um, and we're always laughing. Well, I think, you know, the journey should be fun and Mm -hmm. light, right? And even in the harder times, you got to find the as much joy and laughter in that as possible. So it's a big deal. So, oh my gosh, I I have to learn about the yoga though. (laughs) Can you tell me a little, can you talk, because I've never heard of it. So can you talk about the laughter yoga or the, yeah, that'd be, that'd be helpful. Oh, I love it. It is a combination of sort of improvisational movement and, Mm -hmm. um, imagination. So Mm -hmm. triggering the inner child's play and fun, and then laughing mirthfully. So the whole idea is laughter that's not attached to an intellectual understanding. So it's not jokes. It's just mirthful laughter. And it was created by a Bollywood actor and MD named Dr. Madan Kataria, who is from India. And he created this Mumbai, India, He created this with some colleagues and patients about 20 years ago because he had studied, it's called gelatology, believe it or not, the study of laughter. So have you ever seen the movie Patch Adams? Yes. 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 So Patch Adams, um, who worked at Loma Linda, I believe, here in California, was really big into laughter as a modality. He was very funny, did jokes at the hospital. And so Dr. Kataria was studying gelatology and he came up with 
how could we, and he's also a yoga master. So how could we put yoga together with this idea of laughter? And he tried it a couple of different ways and he came up with, they started with telling jokes and they got rid of that because if people didn't understand the jokes or, yeah. you know, what makes some person laugh, my, my sometimes you know, it's cultural. Yeah. 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 So he got rid of that. And then it was just, he brought in his Bollywood background, which is just acting. And so imagine that you have a laughter yoga leader there. So we start with some just warming up the body and the throat. Laughter does Mm -hmm. use vocal cords. So we warm up the body and the throat. We might be making facial movements and we're doing, you know, stretching. So it's not like traditional yoga where there are asanas. You're not down dogging it. Right, right, right. right. Um, You're moving in the space but it's more like improv and fun. So a laughter yoga instruction might be, okay, we're going to do silent laughter. Everybody go. And then everybody <laughs> does whatever they think silent laughter looks like. So right. you might have a whole, Oh, group, I love that. You have a whole group of people going. <laughs> I could do it while doing happy baby rolling around with that. Yeah, actually happy baby is a good, good <laughs> so that's a nice pair yeah. to pose it with. Yeah. And when I first started doing it, I was doing it on the beach. So we were doing things like treasure hunt laughter and you're supposed to be like running around the beach, interacting and having eye contact with the other people in the class, picking up things on the beach, but there's nothing. You're like, it's all improv. You're just play acting and laughing the whole time. And then you take a break. We do deep breathing. We'll do some more stretching and movement. Then we go on some more and then we take a break. And at the end, we come into a circle and we do a laughter meditation to close, which is oh, usually about five to 10 minutes. And you're just laying on your back laughing. Oh, my gosh. And and it's really cool because many people think that's stupid. No. <laughs> when my students and I first started doing it, they were like, no way. Like I'm- after about five minutes, what are you laughing at? And I said, right. I don't know. You might want to do it and see. And it like the class is an hour long. Mm-hmm. And so. Wow. People and you're not trying to make people laugh. It just it's organic. Comes from inside. What's really beautiful about it? It's bubbling up from the inside like champagne bubbles. And the hardest part, the hardest part, (laughs) the hardest part is at the end of class when you're trying to get everyone to quiet down. (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. to let the laughter go. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it's contagious for sure. So I love I, that. So you know what's interesting? Let's talk about is it stupid? Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about that because I feel like what happens in that hour, hour is a long time to laugh and mm-hmm. I, I want to do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. That your vibration and energy level must be yes. skyrocketing. Like in your opinion. It, that would be the time to do what? To manifest, to talk to right. your guides, to because your vibration Dream is so be- high. Yeah, yeah. That that seems like an opportune moment to, yeah. and maybe it's me. I'm always wanting to capitalize on something, but my other, my fellow corporate girls in the room, we're all corporate girls, yep. former. How do I get the best ROI call, recovering on Recovering <laughs> sabbatical, you know, radical sabbatical, you know. My corporate girls will understand that yeah. I'm trying to capitalize on this. Okay, but. <laughs> ROI on my investment Return of an hour. Return on investment okay, exactly. for my hour of laughing. Exactly. That's not enough that I just laugh for an hour. Mm-hmm. I want to do something with yeah. it. Action. So is it a time for action, Valerie? Okay, so here's what I'm going to tell you. 
about your need for something else to come out of this is oh god oh i love give it to her valerie give I, it like, to her. I got the finger everybody if you're uh-huh. not on youtube she's giving me the finger i love valerie the middle, so much not the middle more. one the, the pointer <laughs> right okay, well not pointer. yet the middle <laughs> one's coming i'm sure keep going valerie it's the stop it finger like <laughs> what's really funny about us especially those of us conditioned in the west especially women who have been conditioned to sort of um compete in a male dominated, you know, out of control, masculine society, um, that we have to constantly be getting something out of it. And the the thing coming out of laughter yoga is that you're quieting all that. Like Mm. you're, you're allowing your mental faculty and capacity for solutions of problems and figuring things out to take a break. And so the last thing you want to do when you're in this high vibration is to clutter it with ideas about getting something from it other than you already have. Mm. So the benefits of laughter yoga are inherent in doing it. Like there are studies that have shown the um, increased oxygenation of the brain because you're breathing more. Laughing makes you deep, deep breathe. You're evacuating stale energy out of your lungs. You're getting movement into your body. There have been one or two studies that show people get six packs of abs from doing laughter yoga. Like just the laughter itself is contracting the muscles. Haven't you laughed enough where you say, oh, oh my yeah, stomach hurts? hurts? Yes. Yeah. So, and the um, release of um, endorphins and the number of things happening already, you don't want to mess with that. Like it's a space of healing that is perfectly divine in and of itself and just leave it alone. Trust that all of your angels are right there applauding you for your wisdom in availing yourself of this opportunity. Mm. That's beautiful. I I should get the finger for that, Gina. Uh, yeah, I'm so <laughs> glad she gave you the no, finger. No, you're right. I mean, like chemically, you've done so much for your body. You're yeah. right. And, and I I can see those angels applauding. Absolutely. Okay. Well, and I do think, you know, the 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 western, the way you said it around western yeah. masculine is so very true. And that's, you know, when it's been the way we were raised. I mean, all the way back to the school systems. And, you know, there is a hardwiring there that is difficult to to not default to, right? And so I think all of these sorts of, whether it's the laughter yoga and all these things, is how do we take the edge off ourself to really make sure we embrace the moment and what, what the universe is bringing to us versus you know, trying to force something to fall into place or to happen or what have you. So it's a beautiful reminder. I feel like we've been getting those reminders a lot, Holly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) About letting go a little bit. I will tell you this, my first real experience, deep experience of laughter yoga, I started laughing and then I cried the whole rest of the time. Yeah, I was sobbing. And here's why it's um, the movement and the vibration, you know, when you vibrate something, you know, if you mm-hmm. stuck your hand in perfectly still water, it's clear, you can see the bottom, mm-hmm. but you put your hand in there and start vibrating it. Well, the silt comes up and all of a sudden it's muddy water. Well, that's what happened. I was unlocking little mm-hmm. pockets of pain that wanted to be released. Oh, that's and beautiful. So the laughter yoga gave me an opportunity mm-hmm. to just let it go. I don't even, I never even spent time trying to figure out what it was. I was just yeah. great. And you know how, when you have a good cry and you get yeah. to the end and it's like, oh, peace. Why was I so afraid of crying? 
You know, and we get worried about whether we cry in front of people or at the wrong time, or if we have ugly cry face, it's like, who cares? You're doing yourself a service by moving energy that's not serving you. And your body, by by giving you the impetus to cry, is telling you, let this stuff go. Let this shit out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. A fantastic reminder about even just stuck energy and making sure you make space for it to bubble up and go. Well, we're conditioned to like stuff things. Right. Never let them sweat. Oh yeah. No, no. Listen, us competitive chicks. That's what we do. Never let them see sweat. You know, Mm -hmm. you're trying to be compete in the boardroom. Dig deep, get it done. Yep. Yep. Why did I learn to play golf? Because all the men were on the golf course. Mm-hmm. And I needed to be out there because that's where all the deals were being made. I, fr- I happily, I happen to love golf, even though I can't play very well. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm too busy watching the Hawks and, you know, oh, look yeah. at that flower. The course like, is lovely, isn't yes, it? Yes, <laughs> the course is lovely. I, I like the cart personally. <laughs> to drive the cart, that's my favorite part of the golfing experience. <laughs> no, awesome. you're right, though. I yeah. don't even think about that. Like, I've never cried at work. Oh, I have never. Okay, and I, but normally I, when I'm mad, I cry when I'm mad, not when frustrated. I'm sad. Frustrated. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Never cried at work. Never. You know, like you. I wore the red tie. I'm old, so back then, you know, you wore a red and yellow tie with the blue suit to work, mm-hmm. and you know, I I never realized until recently how much of the masculine I've encountered. I mean, all of us that were successful in corporate America as females mm-hmm. have had to use the masculine, which is important. There's nothing wrong with it, but there's an integration, I think, of the feminine, of feminine. and the allowing is what you're talking of. You know, you're speaking more towards, yes. you know, leaning into that. And yeah. Gina's saying we've been hit upon the head recently uh, mm-hmm. about doing that more because, mm-hmm. you know, we've been in that masculine environment for such a long time. Yes. Doing, doing ROI. It can be hard, but not impossible. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just a conscious choice. Like, so w- when I talk about self-mastery, so the, the self-mastery part of that would be to notice, oh, I'm doing, you know, like you were saying when you were asking me, what should I get out of this? Oh, I'm doing that thing I do. Not that the thing I do is wrong or bad. It's just a conditioned pattern of response. Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to condition myself into a new pattern of response. So when I notice myself being too heady about things, I make a conscious choice to, okay, why don't I just enjoy right now and let go, let go of the judgment, let go of the plus or minus, let go of the, you know, the dynamics that might trigger me into a place that is not really serving me. You know, I will say this, um, we can be conditioned to think of things as good or bad, right or wrong, or I won't say we can, I'll say we have been conditioned to think of things that way. And it really narrows us into a very small place. The more judgments we have, the more narrow and confined is our ability to live our lives. So for me, happiness comes from freedom. What I call, I say peace, love, joy, and freedom. I'm talking about emotional freedom, not geopolitical freedom. So the emotional freedom is to be in as many circumstances and environments as possible, have as many different kinds of people around as possible, and still feel whole and true to myself. So I can be with angry people and not take on their anger and not determine that they are bad or wrong because they're feeling anger. That's just what's going on with them. And in a situation where I'm like, I had dinner the other night with friends, Easter dinner, and we went to a restaurant and I hated it. I mean, I hated the menu. Mm -hmm. I hated the food. 
The service was okay. But what I anchored in on was, man, this is an answer to prayer. I am outside on a lovely evening, having a beautiful dinner with like-hearted friends, and I have the abundance to pay for it. So Mm -hmm. even though it was one of the most um, expensive dinners that I hated that I've had in a long time, (laughs) the, like the gratitude for um, experiencing the moment was total freedom. Like, and, and I don't think anybody else knew that I hated the menu. I ordered things. I sent back something, but it didn't become the circumstantial dynamic. Right. right. It was an afterthought and the rest Mm -hmm. of it was beautiful. So, so, um, Gina, to your point, it's like, how can we do the both and? How can I be in the midst of difficult circumstances and be in my high vibration self? And I will also suggest that what I've come to understand is whenever I'm feeling anger, that's an empowered form of something deeper. So I get angry, but what I'm feeling is hurt Mm -hmm. or really deep sadness or sometimes shame. And I, mm-hmm. and anger is my empowered way of saying, don't you hurt me? Or mm-hmm. my empowered way of saying back off Jack or my empowered way of just standing in a difficult circumstance, say I can do it. And when we kind of allow very feminine principle, allow that anger to dissipate and reconnect deeply inside, we actually get to the real pocket of pain. The anger is not really the expression of the pain. That's the protection mechanism. The real pocket of pain is something that makes us more vulnerable, probably makes us feel insecure, probably makes us feel like we won't fit in, like we don't belong, um, like we're unlovable. That's the deeper piece. And it's when we get to the deeper piece. So many people are focused on the surface anger. It's like, oh, that's great. And there's more wanting to get your attention. Mm, yeah. It's like an indicator, uh, an indicator t- for you to like go within. within. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a flashing light. Oh, Danger. Gosh, <laughs> love that. I haven't ever heard it described that way. Valerie, that makes complete sense. So, I mean, I think, you know, like we always should be evaluating our emotions to figure out what they're coming from somewhere. Right. But, you know, when there are those strong, like, I would say out of fear, pr- protection type, mm-hmm. you know, anger being one of them that, the, you know, the fight side of the flight, fight or flight equation, they're probably maybe even more deep rooted than, well, I don't know you I, I run away from stuff too. That's pretty important. So I guess they're both important, but you know, to pay attention to those things is huge. Yeah. That's fantastic. Very huge. I mean, yeah. and there are actually four. So there are four Fs, fight, flight, freeze. Like, you know, the rabbit, you're caught in headlights, freeze. Mm -hmm. So like if you're in a meeting, for example, and someone says something and it's like threatening and you have, you know, and I'm like, I don't know what to say to that. Yes. Then I get back to my office. I'm like, I should have said this and this and this and this and this. And I can't believe that's freeze. That's a freeze mechanism. Mm -hmm. That's a protection. Do nothing. And then the last one is fawn, which people don't recognize so much. But when we fawn all over someone who's threatening to us and we, you know, placate them and we want to make them feel better. And, you know, we want to take care of them. Never heard that before. Yeah. That's fawning. Like, Oh, I'm not like, so making friends with the enemy or the scary person. Exactly. We're, what Mm, we're doing is minimizing our, our threat level to them 
so that they don't become a threat to us. Oh, that is fascinating. So it's I've really never fascinating. heard that. When I see myself fawning, I'm like, oh my gosh, look what you just started doing. Why are you feeling threatened right now? Then I get to ask myself, because that's not a place of freedom. It's mm, not a place of emotional no. freedom. And mm-hmm. um, I get to ask myself, what is it? I found out, I found out some really some really deep stuff. So, okay. So I don't, do I fawn? Uh, does everybody fawn? Like, I'm like, do we, I don't know that I've ever seen you. I think I have now that yes. I think about it for sure. Yeah. I have. Yes. Is it, is that a way? Is it a pleaser is, gene? Yes. I, is it a pleaser gene trait? That's what I was going to ask. See. Yeah. Fawning has got, we both wear, went there, but it's from a different place than regular people pleasing. Mm-hmm. Fawning is it because a fight, fight, freeze, or fawn, those are all protection mechanisms when feel when we feel threatened. Mm-hmm. So when we feel unsafe, insecure, other word, you know, Brene Brown's favorite word, vulnerable. When we yeah. feel vulnerable in a situation or with a certain kind of people or some interpretation or projection that we put on the situation around us can send us into that place. And it is, it is subconscious or unconscious. So this is where self-awareness, you'd really have to be aware of what your behavior mechanisms are for when those circumstances arise and then choose why am I fawning right now? Okay. I mm-hmm. think what I'll do is get quiet and I'm fawning because I don't want that person to know that right now I don't appreciate what's happening or mm-hmm. I have a difference of opinion or I feel hurt by something they said and I don't know what to do about that. So I'm going to ignore myself and focus on them. That's it's just not healthy. It's not serving us. It's not right or wrong. It's just not serving the person who's doing it all the time. Right. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, and we are talking about it, but let's talk about your book, Living Happily to Be Me, Happy to Be Me. And when you wrote that book, what was your goal Mm -hmm. in (laughs) getting that out into the world? Yeah. It's a special book for sure. Oh, thank you. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I will say that when I was writing the book, I don't think I had a purpose. Like it, I didn't sit down and say, I'm going to write a book. I'll tell you what happened. My girlfriend and I had gone out the night before and um, she spent the night at my house. I had a one bedroom. So we both slept in my queen size bed. And so we're having tea. And I said, you know, I'm creating in my best marketing head, Holly, I'm I'm creating a marketing funnel and I need a free giveaway. So I thought I would do a like 30 ways in 30 days to have more peace, love, joy, and freedom. That's what it started out, a free giveaway. So then she and I, with my phone, started just voice recording 30 ways in 30 days. And we kept going way past 30. And I started looking at it and I was like, huh. And she said, there's more than a free giveaway here. I think you should put that on the side and work on whatever that wants to be and come up with something else. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And what it wanted to be, I didn't know. I just asked the book, like the the work, the body of wisdom, the ideas, whatever it was, what's going on here? <laughs> what's going oh, on here? I love that. And as I asked, kept asking that, more came through. Mm-hmm. Then a point, it, it came to a point where I said, I know what's going on here. And I, I tell the story this way because when I started writing a book and I encounter this with people a lot, they think there's a way to write a book. 
Like you write your outline, you write your chapters, and then you write all the words underneath the chapters. And maybe some people do that. That's not the way this book came through. It, it, and there were several times when I created a relationship with the book and said, now what? Um, mm. So I, when I got purposeful about it, I knew that what I was doing was transferring experience. So I was sharing my lived experience, what I thought my life would be based on following these rules that people had told me, what my life was after following those rules. Like, and I was going WTF, yeah, whiskey tango foxtrot. Like, how did I get here? And then, um, and then kind of as I went on the journey to figure it out, straighten it out, make it lovable to me, a life that I love living. I started noticing a through line. So I did a lot of seminars. I did a lot of work with a couple of different spiritual teachers for years. I did a lot of immersion into what the hell. And then I said, wait a second, there's a lot of things to me that feel like they're the same. Mm -hmm. And so when I started bucketing the things that were the same, that's where the steps came from. And they are, they're sequential. And at the same time, they're spiral. So you know, they can all happen simultaneously in the boom. When you get really practiced at it, you can do step one, two, three, four, boom, all at the same time. So it just happened that way. And then I just listened and I got to a point where I kind of said, are you, are you done? Is this enough? And I felt a yes. And then I let it go. Okay. So when you, it's a yes. fantastic story. Mm-hmm. And I think it, gives everyone permission to realize that the creative process is not prescribed. It's going to come the way it's going to come and uh, don't judge it and let it. I, mean, I what so a, needed to hear that. Yes. <laughs> I, I, yes. And, and how the, I love the way you almost spoke to your project, the way it, like it, it was a entity or person, which yes. I, it I has its own energy. A project it does has, has its, its own energy, energy, but mm-hmm. I don't think we, I don't, I don't think about it like that. I don't think I approach things like that. Mm. So that's a, that was a, that really hit, resonated and hit home. Cause I could, I think that would feel very comfortable to me. I just don't do it. Right. So I mm. think I like that a lot, but I'm, I'm extremely curious around when it was said it was done. Did you feel it was done or were you really giving that much leeway to what was coming through? I'm just curious. Girl, I thought I was done a year before the book said it was done. Like, I was done. And then every time I turned around, there is more. I mean, oh, wow. and I would be like, what? What? I'm done. <laughs> no. But you were not the project manager of this, clearly, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like oh, the interesting. divine energy leading us if we will just I call it ears not necessary listening. So listen with more than just our mental faculties or our five sense. Like this is where intuition and the sixth sense come in is to quiet the mighty mind. And when you ask the place within you that is your soul energy, like dancing your soul light style, when you go to that spot and say, what is it I would like to know right now? Mm. And then really just get quiet which takes practice. I will tell, mm-hmm. you know, it takes practice to quiet our minds because we're, we're rewarded for activating them, yeah. especially in the West. But when you, and when you get quiet, 
you get an answer. It may not be words. No, the book's not finished yet. Write two more chapters, mm-hmm. right? It's, it didn't come like that. But what I got was a contraction feeling. So I can tell when my body's giving me a no or yes now. And there are lots of, you know, muscle testing and ways leaning forward or leaning backward, but my heart opens. My I can feel like, it just feels just like that. Like my chest opens and I'm like, I'm done. It's done. It's complete. Mm-hmm. And then if it's, if it really wanted me to write some more and I'm saying, are we done? Like, please say yes. It, and it would go, I would just feel a contraction like, okay. And then I would have to open myself back up to what more is possible, what more mm-hmm. wants to be said. And I did have some editors, like after I made the decisions myself first, then I took the manuscript to, I had two substantive editors. And so I, I had three editors total. So one is doing the, you know, grammar, mm-hmm. cleaning up editing. Mm-hmm. And then I had two substantive editors. And so they were looking at from the the spiritual alchemy in the book, mm-hmm. um, like, is there enough there for people to get the alchemy that I'm trying to activate oh, within them? Man. I didn't even know there was such a thing as spiritual I know. alchemy editor. I love that. That's beautiful. So they're more looking at the overall content. Content. Yeah. Is there the, is the messaging line? Does it make sense? You know, yeah. in the four steps, is there enough in there for people to actually really understand what I'm suggesting that right. step is for or how to do it? And so I got some masterful suggestions. And then when it all came back to me, it it was beautiful because mm. first I asked the book, are you complete? The book said, no, I had to get over that. Then I was like, okay, let me ask some learned intermediaries to like, maybe help me see what I'm not seeing oh, that the yeah. book is telling me is available to me. And then they helped me see um, by giving me a little, well, I don't know if I understand this and this could be better developed. And do you have any stories over here? Then when I saw that, I talked to the book and said, okay, you're right. Mm -hmm. I got it. And then I went and wrote some more. Wow. I love that. That is going to really be resonate with a lot of creatives and people who are Yep. have a book in themselves that are, or a pamphlet or whatever right. it is. Right, you know? right. It really is a give and take. So remember, um, it helps to remember the laws of the universe, right? Just like the physical mm-hmm. laws of the universe, like gravity and thermodynamics and that kind of thing um, that we don't question. We just know they're working. There are other laws of the universe and they are just like those laws. They work 24, seven, 365, whether we, Believe it or not, know it or not, understand it or not, those laws are in operation over every single thing we do, every single thing we think. So in the law of reciprocity, like we're in a give and take with our lives. Like there's a give and a take and a give and a take. And the book, our, what we choose to wear, the party we're just, all of it has a cycle of reciprocity in it. And when we can be awake and aware of that, it does help to say, is this what you want? Do you really want to go? I ask my flowers when I get flowers, do you want to sit here or there? And I have an idea. I'm going to put them over here. And I would say a good three quarters of the time, they want to go somewhere else. And when I put them there, I go, wow, this totally changes the way the room feels. But it wasn't my idea. It was divine energy coming to me through this living entity called Fresh Flowers. 
Hey, everyone. We're so excited to share with you a special gift for being our subscriber. Please head over to LOA Uncorked and get your own free badassery toolkit. What is that, you might be asking yourself? Well, it's seriously very cool. It will give you your own badassery alias, your life superpower, your kryptonite, and those things about you that you should just own with swagger. And we're excited to give this to you. Head on over to LOA Uncorked and get your free badassery toolkit. I love, I love love that that. you're purposeful in all that you do. Mm -hmm. And so clearly you've had a lot of self mastery and, and you teach that in your book. What is the key? What, what, you know, give us, give us an elixir, (laughs) Valerie. We just want to drink it right now. I'm going to go down and ask my flowers downstairs how they're feeling. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't do that, but I am mindful. I'm very mindful, but I can up-level myself. Oh, okay, heck like yeah. After our conversation today, listen, I'm going crazy. Okay. And yep. I'm going to be reporting it next next podcast, yes. okay, what I've been doing. Okay, oh, but Lord help, help, I know. Lord help us be all. Be careful because I'm mm-hmm. going to self-report mm-hmm. like like there's nobody's business, just like God. Valerie. So, so we, yeah, anyway, so what is the key <laughs> to starting? I mean, obviously it takes takes a long time. Like you said, checking in with yourself. I understand what you're saying mm-hmm. that you got, you know, that that takes practice. I, I, I get that, but you go, you got to start and, yep. um, to start that. So self-mastery probably is it's practice, but what is the key? Okay. Boy, there's a lot there. I love the question. So <laughs> I'll say two things. So I'm a fan of really beautiful quotes because I think they wake up in us things to remember. So I love Arthur Ashe's quote, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. So for me, that's a reminder that every place is an opportunity for me to grow in my ability to be the best version of me. I used to think I was always competing with people outside me to prove that as a black woman, especially I'm worthy and deserving. And, um, you know, as a child of the sixties growing up in what I experienced, my lived experience was that the world didn't really like me as a black person, the way it liked others. I was always fighting, you know, that's where some of my fight came in to prove I'm worthy. I'll show you how good I am. You know, that was coming from conditioning. So when I start unleashing that or letting that healing that forgiving that it's start where I am, do what I can use what I have. It's like, I'll just be able to go in and feel that pain, allow it, and then look for the resources around me to support me to do that. And the bigger question, and that's a little thing that gets applied in self-mastery all the time. So the bigger question of self-mastery, there are three pillars that I teach. One is called self-awareness. So that's being the fly on the wall in your life. It's like, you know, not not to be judge, jury, jailer, executioner. It's not to kind of crack a whip. It's to kind of open yourself. So we're in the allowing and the receiving. Oh, that's how I do that. Right. Interesting. Oh, that's what's going on when I do that. Interesting. It's curiosity. It's fueled. Self-awareness is fueled by curiosity, not judgment, not shame, not blame, not punishment. Just how do I do that? I wonder what's going on with that. I wonder why did that come out of me at that moment? That's the curiosity that delivers self-awareness. The next pillar is self-acceptance. So this is the pillar that says, 
everything here is very, very right. There's nothing wrong here that I just screamed at that person. And I don't really like screaming at people. There's still nothing wrong here. I'm learning what's going on with me while I'm doing it. And I can go behind myself and clean that up as best Mm -hmm. I can. And the more I'm aware from the curiosity of when else do I yell at people, which is what I had to do. You know, my, my staff used to say in my personal evaluations that they didn't call me a bitch, but they did say she's mean. They did feel anger and meanness. Mm -hmm. And I, of course, in my very angry face and voice would say, I'm not angry. And you know, it's like, I didn't know that I was, I didn't know what I was carrying. And so self-acceptance is okay. It's okay, sweetie. It's like you talking to your three-year-old self saying, I understand we have some hurts and some angers and it's coming out like pig pen, mm-hmm. pig pen in my book or a representation of pig pen. I couldn't get the Charles Schultz people to give me permission to use pig pen. So I put a representation in there of kind of walking around with your stuff hanging out all over, which was me. Um, So self-acceptance says, I may not have created all the things inside me that are giving me these reactions, but I'm responsible now. Like I'm, I can't blame it on anybody from when I was 10. I'm now responsible. I'm aware of it. First step. Now I'm going to make it okay. And I'm going to heal it. And that's the third pillar, which is self-love. And that's where forgiveness and self-care, self-nurturing, that's where all the really the the sweetness of being in love with yourself, writing yourself a true love letter, like that's where all that comes in. And so when you put those three pillars together, you create a life or you have the capacity to create a life that is constantly fluid and evolving. You get into a flow with your life because you're not, you know, fight or fly or freeze or or fawn in every situation. And you can kind of just like, oh, wow, look at me doing that. And when things come in, good things, bad things, ugly things, you might not even call them good, bad, or ugly. They just are. (laughs) And the question is, who am I going to be relative to what is? Who am I? relative to this. That's like the question I asked with my book. Okay. Something's coming through me that wants to be this book. Let's ask the book what it wants to be. And, you know, that's why the book is for color instead of just words, black and white words on a piece of paper, because, and people told me that book's going to be too expensive. And it was, it was kind of expensive. (laughs) Um, But I wanted spaciousness and I know that colors carry energy just like flowers do. And so I wanted to activate when I say the book is a part of my powers of spiritual alchemy. That's what it's doing. It's helping people connect with something other than their intellect. Okay. I love that answer. I love that answer. And I'm going to wander in the wilderness here for a second because I know I personally have experienced this. And we've interviewed people that have experienced this. So I'm one aspect. I want to go back to your personnel uh, or your, your evaluations, your, where people said you were mean. And I want to, I want to say for those people, like I'll just take myself. So I'm female and you've got female and black and I'm at least one of those, you know, I've Mm -hmm. experienced that. And I feel like where is the intersection of mm-hmm. responsibility when the culture is, you can't deny that the culture 
looked at Valerie and said, and, and helped you help frame you being an overachiever and, uh, you know, like, cause I feel that just in myself and I'm one part of what you are, you know? Right. And, and like, I know this gives away your power of control and self mastery, but do you say, okay, well, the culture did this to me. How do you not become a victim yeah, yeah. of the fact of what your skin, the stereotype, your gender, mm-hmm. your, your, sexual the norms the norms that society all that stuff assumes right yeah and and i've struggled with that personally and i know like you know if you're a tough woman you're a bitch you're a you're you're mean you're demanding you're you're demanding mm. you're you know and and i'd be like well the men can do that and they're they're great okay and so what about the unfairness of life valerie okay (laughs) Oh, oh my wow. God. Where does that fit in self mastery? How do we not fall because into that so we are self mastery? I've actually yes. had a guest ask us about mm-hmm. that, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. like, like you know, you can manifest whatever, but if you're a person of color, I think we were asked that if you're mm-hmm. a person of color and you're in the West, it is hard. And I'm like, hell yes, it's yes, hard. I can, yes. I, I, I can't imagine. Right. But I can't answer that question either. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. I don't okay. know. Can you? you you're, I think yeah. I feel like you can. <laughs> yeah. So, um, oh, yeah, here comes a lot of emotion with that question. Yeah. Yeah. And it has to do with that word victim. Yeah. And okay, so a couple things. I think in the energy of self mastery, we are willing to take personal responsibility, not for everything that has happened, quote, to us, right? Mm-hmm. Or for us but to how we respond to situations that come up that show that that situation existed. So I do a lot of diversity, equity, and inclusion facilitation right now. I just finished doing one for the United States Navy. Mm. Dealing with this question of victimization of people based on race and, and gender and other things. And race is a really interesting one because First of all, scientifically, race doesn't exist, but we can have that as a separate conversation. You know, the Human Genome Project has proven there's like 99.97%. We're all the same. So we're all one race. Okay. So that's on the sideline. A lot of people don't have time to listen to that. So they just Mm -hmm. see what they see. Mm -hmm. So the thing about being victimized because of race, it is real. Mm -hmm. It is lived experience. Mm-hmm. I can tell a story, a particular story in York, Pennsylvania, in the late 80s, I'm going to visit a friend, going to a private club that she was a member of. She was taking me as her guest. We had run track together in college. She was white. I'm obviously not. And the door starts to open. It's like a little speakeasy kind of door. Like they open the little thing. They saw yeah. her, didn't see me standing beside her, close the little speakeasy thing, open the door to let her in. The guy put his arm in front of the door when he saw me and said, what the hell do you think you're doing? Only I think he used a different expletive. And she said, I'm a member. She's my guest. And he said, you know, we don't let her kind in here. Okay. That's lived experience. So if somebody wants to look me in the face and say, racism doesn't exist, I would ask them to make sure they're talking about people's lived experience, because in my lived experience, it is, it is bold and it can be in my face. So that's one, that's another piece. So was I in that moment, a victim of somebody's conditioning around the white 
this white supremacy versus Mm -hmm. the black skin. Yes, I was a victim. Mm -hmm. I'm not being a victim. I'm not thinking I'm a victim. I have been victimized. Victimized. I think Mm -hmm. that's a very substantive thing, Holly and Gina, to have the conversation around lived experience. Because my lived experience, in my lived experience, I have been victimized. In your lived experience as a woman in certain environments, you have been victimized. Now, then the next thing is, do I carry the energy and identity of a victim? Oh, God, that's oh, yeah. so good. Okay. So yeah. what I will tell you is that I did for a very long mm-hmm. time. Why? Because it was subconscious and unconscious. I wasn't consciously choosing to be victim. Oh my gosh, they don't like me because I'm black. No, I was in my anger. I was rearing up my, you know, standing in my power to show them I am more than the color of my skin. Damn it. Mm -hmm. I want you to see my intellect. I want you to see my ability to solve problems. I want you to see my ability to get things done. I want you to see that I can power through. And I was doing that. In an attempt to overcome further victimization by things I could not control, which is white people's conditioning around black people's abilities and belonging and beauty and magnificence and collaboration, like the conditioning in our society around this thing called the color ladder, which has been studied in sociology and psychology And Harvard has some unconscious bias tests that you can take that show you if you have a disposition toward lighter skin. And guess what? I do because it's conditioned into me. So as a black female, the messages that I have gotten most of my life is that black is not as good as white. So subconsciously, the little girl in me would start to figure out, well, how can she be accepted as more white, knowing that's not possible with this color skin. Well, I can be, I can talk the way like articulate. I can be smart. I can show my depth. I can do things the way quote unquote white people do it. And then I'll be less victimizable by, because of the color of my skin and those people's predisposition toward the color of my skin. and. It has been, I got to tell you, um, this is very raw for me right now. You can probably feel it Mm -hmm. because most of my quote unquote awakening around this that has contributed, you know, in my curiosity of self-mastery started when I watched a man die in front of a camera with a policeman's knee on his neck. Mm -hmm. Like that was it for me. That was a seminal moment when I really Mm -hmm. got clear there's something going on in me relative to this. There's something definitely going on in the world. Oh, for sure. For sure. What is going on in me? Like I cried for days. Like I could not mention that thing and watching that video. And what I had to do was go find out what was in here. And I found self-loathing like that. I never wanted to, like, I think at a young age, I told God, I was angry at God for making me black. Why? Because in the sixties, I mean, think about what was going on in the South in the sixties. Right. So my little girl self was like, I don't, I don't want to be this. And it doesn't mean I don't like blackness or black people. I just didn't want to be one. Right. And so I created a life that was trying to be, and I say this with 
total love and self-acceptance, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to be as white as I possibly could Mm -hmm. so that I could have all the things white people get. Mm -hmm. Success, property, money, prosperity, great love affairs. Like, you know, when I was growing up, I didn't see myself in beautiful movies and Mm -hmm. nobody was showing me as a vice president or Mm -hmm. a scientist or any of that stuff. That's like 21st century stuff. That wasn't 1960s. So I hope that answers your question. It was kind of rambling. It does though. I mean, like it's, it's, it was such a profound, I mean, I was, you know, I, from a very, what I take away from that is, you know, we don't take on the energy of victim. Doesn't mean that you weren't a victim. Okay. And then the part, that self-loathing part. So for me, you know, I looked at who had to be successful and I needed to be the breadwinner. So I needed to be a man. So I needed to take on being a man. Mm -hmm. And then I'm, and then I think I'm going to be less victimized Mm -hmm. as a man. Okay. But you still end up getting, you still end up. Yeah. With the same, yeah, yeah, and, and because you're not, and so there's a, you're not. there's a disconnect. Exactly. So right. people look at you and you go, they go female, but you're showing up in a That's high amazing. masculine energy. High mm-hmm. masculine is take control, speak, yep. talk over people. Like there are yep. some very specific sociological behaviors that are associated with high masculinity. Yeah. They're not good or bad or right or wrong. No. And a woman might need them in certain circumstances. If there's a guy right. trying to take your purse away, you better bring your masculine energy, right? <laughs> <laughs> but maybe not in the boardroom. Yeah. Maybe Sometimes. Not. Sometimes, but maybe not all the time, but you know, it's an interesting thing, but I think the point of, and thank you so much for sharing that, Ron, is I think that that's going to help people a lot and really connect to people. So thank you so much for that. And also thank you for transcending that and saying, okay, it's not that we're not validating that these things are real and they happen, but it's how do we show up? And then for me, yeah. it's like, for me, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going within and loving that part of me, all of me. And I think that, and I probably you felt this too, that for me, when I started bringing in my feminine into the boardroom, the whole person, there's a masculine and a feminine mm-hmm. side of all of us, including men, they have a feminine side. When I brought that wholeness, actually, I was less victimized. And mm-hmm. in the area that maybe I was quote unquote victimized, I was never a victim. It was showing me what wasn't working and leading me down a different path that mm-hmm. was better for me as, yes. as a light, as a human, as a whole person. Yes. You know, the curriculum that I um, tested that is the subject of my uh, PhD, my doctoral dissertation, um, the courses, the, the, the foundational course is called Living 101, Being Happy and Whole. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't really know what the whole part means. And what I teach is that it means we are re-enfranchising all the aspects of ourselves. Yeah. 
So the little wounded child who didn't want to be black, I have to bring her in and say, we're safe being black. And Mm -hmm. it's not about those other people. And I love you. And I love our blackness. Like I have to have a conversation with myself and re-enfranchise her and let her know she's precious and she's Mm -hmm. lovable and she's loved. And the people who are around us who are in their own journey, their own dance with whatever they understand to be true. I mean, that's, I will say that there's a lot of what I, and I don't, I don't know that this is hundred percent true, but I will say my interpretation of a lot of what's going on as divine as it is, it is also got a lot of Vic perpetrator victim energy on it. It, it feels a lot to me. Like there's a lot of, you know, screaming, um, relationships are being dissolved. I've had some in my own life where, mm-hmm. you know, it's this chasm of what I believe is right. And if you don't believe it, then I'm done with you. Right. Yeah. And that is, a, I believe that's a form of self-annihilation. Mm-hmm. People don't see it yet, but because I don't believe we're here to separate ourselves into little pockets of agreement. Mm-hmm. I believe that we're here as a humanity to experience and revel in and grow from and play in everything that everybody brings. And yeah, that means learning how do we deal with people who are living outside of our humanity's laws, society's laws? How do we deal with things that are real perpetration? Mm -hmm. And then how do we deal with adjustments? when things aren't working and how do we deal with, you know, dictatorship. And I think we have to learn from being a part of it, not learn from separating ourselves and just letting those people go over there and and I'll stay over here and not watch the news and keep myself happy. Like, I don't, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that's not, that's not where I'm feeling like my solutions lie. Well, it's interesting because the younger I have a high schooler, she's just graduating and she's very much, in fact, she said this last night, she said, if people like she hates capitalism, we all have to be socialist. We hate anything that's Republican, you know, like the, that left brain it's, you know, like get out, you know, and the cancel culture, right. Okay. Cause we're talking about like, yeah, they don't believe, get them, get rid of right. them instead of teaching them, having it, you know, let's, Have a let's get rid of them. Yeah, yeah. And she went to a dinner last night and she says, I don't want Caleb to come. He's just a raving Republican. Okay. And so they went to dinner. She came home and I said, how did dinner go? And, and she's like, yeah, Caleb and I hugged and I said, I'm okay with your beliefs and we're still, we're still friends. And they shared. So it's to what you said said that, you know, if you divide, if she said, I'm not going to that dinner and wouldn't have had that experience. And she said, I think he was afraid of me. She's frightening. Okay. So (laughs) I would be afraid of her. Gina, it's a legit concern. It's a legit concern that that poor boy was a smart man. (laughs) And, and, um, you know, so that fierceness, Mm -hmm. you know, of, you know, rights and, you know, um, that's a beautiful thing, but I'm seeing that the younger people, it, it, it's hard right yeah. now for them as well. They want that, that separation. And yet when they come together, you see something 
you know, completely like what you were saying, that's the vision of what we probably need to go forward. And and whether that was created from our politics yeah. or, I mean, everything is divinely appointed. I believe that, that we're as hard as it has been to see in the media and what's mm-hmm. happening all over. Yeah. I'm curious yeah. to get, I, and I know we're running, we're running close on time here, but I, I, I in this conversation, I'm just very curious to get your take on this, Valerie, because one of the things that I think about in terms of self-mastery and managing, you know, your life and kind of putting some protection around you is is boundaries. And so, you know, do you feel like some of the things we're seeing in the culture right now is just a misappropriation of boundaries? Whereas, you know, can we take boundaries so far that we assign them so heavy handedly that we walls wall off. Yeah. They become not just a, like a line in the sand, but rather like a wall that cordons you off in certain ways. I'm just curious. I've been thinking a lot about boundaries and how I, I wonder if that's a, and the reason we have boundaries, whether it's fear or control or whatever they, whatever those things are. I'm just curious what your thoughts are on boundaries with regard to what's going on. I love the curiosity around this. And to me, it's a continuum, Mm -hmm. Gina. So Mm -hmm. I believe that boundaries are a part of self-loving behavior. Mm -hmm. And the way I implement them in my life is it's between me and me. So you may not know that I've got a boundary here unless I choose to tell you. And many of my boundaries, I don't choose to tell anybody. Mm -hmm. I just shift how I respond or react with what's going on based on that. If it's a real important relationship, I might say, um, and I use um, compassionate, the principles of compassionate communication or nonviolent communication. I teach those and I use them. So I might say, okay, you know, I'm feeling a little upset right now. Mm -hmm. Something that I think I heard you say triggered this thing in me and I'm feeling upset because blah, blah, blah. Now, Sometimes people can come into that dance and dance really well. And sometimes they're just like not having it. Um, Don't talk down to me. Don't try to psychoanalyze me. Like I've heard all kinds of stuff and I'm just trying to be a compassionate communicator, which means I'm talking about me and I want you to talk about you. Mm -hmm. I'm not blaming. Mm -hmm. So there Mm -hmm. are ways that boundaries can be a space that gives me sort of like, Oh, I know where I'm dancing and I'm playing and this feels good for me. Um, the way that you're talking about seeing how people have got such boundaries that they are creating their own imprisonment. Mm -hmm. So when we were up in, when I was up in York, Pennsylvania, before we went out to dinner that night, my friend and I were with her parents. I mean, before we went out to this club, we were Mm -hmm. having dinner with her parents and her mother said, are you sure you want to take her there? Like, And I don't know that her mother knew it was a racial boundary that we were about to cross, but she knew something was up. And because my girlfriend didn't, obviously, she never would have walked in there like that. I mean, she was mortified. But her mother said the only reason people like a club like this would have membership is to keep somebody out. Mm, My gosh. Like, do you know who they're trying to keep? out. And oh my gosh. My girlfriend, I guess I mean I will I will never forget that question given what happened afterwards. Right. I don't know if she even really gave it much credence. Mm-mm. Um 
And it was a very difficult time. Like we, our friendship dissolved around this, all the aftermath of what this thing was. Yep. So this boundary question, like we have to be aware that if we're trying to create a loving, harmonious society, yeah. at some point, the boundaries that we're creating with the idea, mm-hmm. right? My mental alibi is that I'm protecting my heart. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, making sure I'm safe. We're actually doing something outside of us. We're actually keeping something out, mm-hmm. which can be perfectly fine to a point. And this is where the self-mastery comes in. I need to know what I'm keeping out. And if it's something that is, I'm keeping it out because it brings up fear or some other kind of low vibration emotion, not bad or wrong, just low vibration. You can't, you can't attract high vibration things if you're vibrating in a low space. So I want to know if the boundary is attached to some low vibration thing. And then I've got to deal with that low vibration thing and then reassess with my curiosity. Okay. I've done some work on this. I've, you know, this is what I'm doing with my whole idea of, am I a racist and how, and, you know, I mean, there was a time, there was a period there where I got into some real toxic energy related to my relationship with white people. Mm-hmm. It just came up and I don't even think it was mine. I think it was my ancestors. Mm-hmm. I really believe yeah. that I'm transmuting energy for the ancestors yeah. who had no choice, had Absolutely. could yeah. not show anything other than, you know, yes, Massa. Um, yeah. I know that, you know, I I'm only that. three generations out of slavery and mm-hmm. um, yeah. sharecropping and all kinds of stuff. But anyway, so, so boundaries can be both is what I'm yeah. saying, Holly, yeah. they can be a prison mm-hmm. and we can tell ourselves all kinds of intellectual alibis for why we got to have our boundaries. And they're not my friend anymore because they overstepped my boundaries. And we can also like, what are my standards and are my standards and my boundaries actually keeping me away from things that might actually benefit me. Like your, your daughter, Holly, and her experience of Mm -hmm. the crazy Republican, who's actually a good hugger and could be a good friend Yeah, and recognizing maybe he's a crazy Republican right now. And maybe he sees you as a crazy liberal right now Mm -hmm. and you're going to evolve. And are we willing Mm -hmm. to allow each other the space for our own growth and inside growth are, mistakes and failures and whoopsies. Yeah. Whoopsies. Yeah. Whoopsies. Lots of heart, lots of heartfelt honesty and sharing and listening and growing, evolving. Right. Yep. So. And I like that. And mm-hmm. and to your point about boundaries, and then there's a place where I put a, you know, somebody just did that with me and uh, at this, um, uh, you know, I'm constantly in a space of my own healing can change the world. And so I'm committed, like I'm committed to transforming myself. I do teach it, but at the heart and soul of my work is my, is me working on me. And um, I had an interaction with someone very dear to me. Oh, the the energy is settled a little bit. I'm just listening for how upset Mm. I am. Mm. Okay. It's settled a lot. That's beautiful. That's a lot of work. Um, And the boundary was crossed one too many times. And I got to see, wait a minute, just like we've been talking about morphing ourselves to fit into the identity of being a corporate executive as a female, 
Yeah. I was morphing myself um, to feel safe around this person. And, yeah. you know, cause I never knew what was coming at me. I, you know, yeah, I, I think that this person had a way of hearing things, but then bringing it up later. Have you ever had that where they're oh, yes. this yes. Oh, yes. moment, but like a week later, all of a sudden they let, let loose on you. And it's, it's like a, a thing. Snap. Yeah. Yeah. And I just decided, okay, you know, I have been like, I have been allowing my sacred space, which is my heart mm-hmm. to be trampled on by someone who I put in high esteem and who I love very dearly. And I have to change. I have to decide mm-hmm. how this works best for me right now. Maybe it'll change. But right now I have cut off all contact. I didn't say anything. Yeah. I, I tell my students all the time, you don't have to kick people out of your life. If mm-hmm. you shift your vibration away from them and you move your vibration to a higher level, if they're still down at this lower level, they're not going to gravitate to you anyway. Yep. Use sure. the universal law. So you be love if they want to be hate. Those two don't come together. Right. So I'm still dancing with it. So I put dancing in my book's title on purpose. Um, mm. The book really wanted to be about lightening up. Mm. Like, like this, this thing that we do to excavate the false self so that we can live more as the true self. Some people think it's a horrible exercise and they don't want to do it because they're going to open Pandora's box and it'll never recover. And so the book um, tries to show that, uh, or the book was designed to show that this doesn't have to be a difficult journey. It's just a journey from you to you Mm. and you get to decide how you live it. And the whole dance, I'm still dancing with the, you know, wanting to be liked, wanting to be loved, wanting to be thought of well. Mm-hmm. Obviously this person isn't thinking of me that way and being willing to just drop the, like, just let it go. Like, I don't need to school him or educate him or, you know, prove what I'm about. It's like, Valerie, you know what you're about. Yeah. And if he can't see it, that's not necessarily a reflection on you being it. So just keep being it and allow him to be where he is. And uh, yeah, it's a dance. Mm. That's, I love the dance mm. uh, visual and, and how, it's not a judgmental thing. It's just a dance. It's a it's a back and yeah. forth. Yeah, it's, it's like a, it's like you started the podcast with like had this give and take. There's this, you know, attract re- retract. So yeah. I think of dance. I think of dancing very similarly. Well, and I gasped when you said because I thought, mm-hmm. oh God, people need to hear this. And I was mm-hmm. like, I was going to pause, but I loved your story. But I, I'm going to go back and just. say what you said. Hopefully I said it in the same way, but (laughs) but you said that you morphed yourself into Mm -hmm. being safe around that person. And I gasped at that because I thought, oh, shit. Okay. Uh Like I shrunk. I know. I was like, okay. So the fawning and the, I was like, I don't know. I, I'm not sure I do that, but I was like, oh yes. I, I mean, I used to say I, I'm a chameleon. Mm-hmm. I can fit anywhere. Yeah. I can change any color and I can fit anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, like you just squeeze me. I'll be what you like want a chameleon. me to be. Mm-hmm. I'll be what you want me to be Valerie. Mm-hmm. Okay. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's my superpower. Okay. Not necessarily. Right. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. There is yeah. some, there is a beauty to that in some respects, but then there's the giving yourself away and not yep. honoring yourself. Yep. Yes. Like and you were shrinking yourself shrinking down yourself. so that they get to be 
important and powerful exactly right. and light. And I get to feel safe in their presence. And it's like, if I have to do that in order to feel safe in someone's presence, I don't need to be in their presence. Like mm-hmm. that's not a space that I choose. Or to I have be- to work hard to be seen or yeah. prove myself. Right. Like it, it yeah. activates that proving yourself mm-hmm. yeah. of worthiness, any yeah. of that, you know, and the other thing I'm going to say, if everybody that's listening to the podcast day yeah. is activated now, it's Valerie did not say you need to go have big, no hairy ass conversations with people and no. make them wrong. Or, you know, any of that, you just change how you show up. Well, I mean, I'm going to maybe blow some minds in your audience, but, you know, (laughs) metaphysically speaking, quantum physically speaking, there's nobody out there anyway, right? The the world is a hologram of your design. So as you say, Mm -hmm. huh, that's interesting behavior from someone I love. I choose something else. Mm-hmm. I choose this behavior and you focus on what it is you want instead of what it is you don't want, what it is you won't put up with, what it is mm-hmm. I will not stand for that. <laughs> like, no, it's like, oh, I won't stand for I what I won't tolerate in myself anymore. Oh, here it comes. Good job, Valerie. <laughs> mm. What I won't tolerate in myself anymore is shrinking myself and making myself wrong or bad and minimizing myself and shadowing myself so that someone else can build him or herself up. Like I've done that throughout my life based on my own ideas around the conditioning around race and gender. And I'm done. Mm. I'm I've graduated to the space of, I see myself, I own myself. I love myself. And um, I've, I'm growing myself into the most, the highest potential of the consciousness that I came here to express. Mm. And ooh, that felt good. And mm-hmm. I love you too. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. And you know what? <laughs> I love you too. We've talked so much today. I mean, we've used the word mastery. You've used it many, yeah. many, many times. And you know, one of the one of the goals that we had for the podcast. Valerie was, you know, to have these kinds of conversations with people that, you know, listeners can listen in and maybe be inspired or, you know, showcase how these metaphysical practices can manifest in their life. And, you know, all the way from the small day-to-day routines and practices to, you know, some of the bigger concepts and practices that you've talked about today. And, and we've talked with many amazing people. I don't think I've ever, for me personally, sitting here today, I don't think I've ever felt so inspired by the vulnerability by which a guest is modeled. Mm. Oh, What you have been learning and what you do for yourself. Like it was, it was, it makes me want to cry moving to watch you today. Mm -hmm. And, and just, you take your moment, honor yourself. (sighs) No, in the moment, don't run by it because we're in an interview, but you just really, that commitment level you have is, it is masterful. So thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you for modeling that today. I love that. Thank you, Gina. Is exactly yeah. how I felt too. That was incredible to watch. So, all right. I mean, we. I want to take her with me wherever I go. Okay, <laughs> but, but, we're gonna, but we, we can't. Yes, <laughs> and we've taken up so much of your time. But yeah. we want to know um, what you're passionate about right now. Who could be your students? Could we be your students? Yeah. And, and what you're doing right now. And we will put all the links, everybody, in the yeah. show notes. Yep. How you You'll have everything to get a hold of her. But read the book. You tell us, Valerie, mm -hmm. how do we stalk you, you know, without <laughs> getting in trouble with the law? Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for asking. That's so yeah. generous of you. Yeah. Okay. So I do a seven day grow in self mastery, flow into bliss challenge to have mm -hmm. more peace, love, and joy. And I do one a month and uh, the URL you can go to find out more about it is tinyurl.com self mastery challenge. It's a free challenge. There's something to do every day for people mm -hmm. to see where are they in this idea of self-mastery. And um, they can get a private call with me and if they want one, and I can help them decipher what's going on. So that's one way, get into the challenge and kind of check yourself out. And I have a free group on Facebook called the Bliss Collective. So it's, um, we just I share teachings. I do they an Ask Valerie Friday. So people, if they're having trouble with stuff, they ask me stuff and I, I give them guidance. And so we interact there. And then I have courses and stuff online that if people are interested in that, they can uh, private message me and I'm happy to, to talk to them. A meditation course and a 10-week a real mastery course, self-mastery course. Mm. And for businesses, you uh, you uh, consult for a DE and I, which I think yes. is mm -hmm. phenomenal. Okay, so businesses out there, mm -hmm. that is some of my. I never, I never, I I haven't gone and gotten credentialed in this. So mm -hmm. what I do in DE and I is, I bring the work that I do on self mastery yeah. in yeah. conversation around racial equity and healing, and I'm really. Mm -hmm. Uh, right now doing a lot of dance with the uh, sacred black feminine, the black Madonnas in France and mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, and yes, so I do this work with individuals and in businesses, the, the shape that it takes is high performance team leadership. Yeah. Um, yes. That's what having, I think. Yeah. Having run a big team and really been driving it, but but having tried to drive it, you know, when I was the captain of a soccer team, captain of a track team, captain mm -hmm. of a cheerleading team, you know, like all these places where I was being a leader, mm -hmm. I can look back and see how much of my leadership ability was driving from the negative, the false self. Right. And um, now what I do is help leaders lead leaders by driving from their highest self. And so, and that, that's really beautiful to have yeah. in a workplace is, People yep. committed to being their highest and most magnificent self means the business is probably going to do a lot better. Yes. For sure. Yeah. No, I love that. Very needed. Love that. For, for sure. Well, excellent. Like we said, we'll, we'll have all the links in the show notes for yes. folks to, to be able to get a hold of you. But um, uh, we, we, we would, we would like to keep you all day, but we won't. Thank you. Uh, and I would say too. For sure. Well, we'll definitely have to speak again. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Valerie. I mean, again, it yeah. was incredible to have you. I know our audience is going to take so much away yeah. and we'll put everything in the show notes and thank yeah. you. Thank for you for all you are and, and what you do. You are and 
the love that you bring into this yeah. world. So yeah. thank you so much. Right. Many blessings to you and your audience. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you for joining our VIP conversation. And please visit us at our website, www.loauncork.com. See you soon. Thank you.